Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today's episode, we're talking about dads and daughters with my friend Kimberly Wolf, who's an educator and who just wrote a book called Talk With Her, a dad's essential guide to raising healthy, confident, and capable daughters. As always, if you can take the time to write a review, of course, give a nice rating, subscribe, and always DM me on my Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast. We're going to have a listener Q&A next week, so I'll be taking your questions direct from my messages. Don't forget to subscribe to dreliza.bulletin.com. And now we're going to have a great conversation on fathers and daughters. So Talk With Her is a comprehensive guide to girlhood for dads. And it's based on my years of research and experience in the field expert perspectives, insights from leading researchers, and interviews with fathers and daughters about father-daughter relationships and what matters and what gets across and what girls want to know and how dads feel. And I think that one of the things that sticks out so much to me in my research and was such a surprise to me at the beginning of my research was that fathers really didn't realize how much they were doing right. They are seen culturally as the backup parents still, even in these generations where fathers want to be more involved. Research shows us that most people think that a parent should stay home with the kids and that if there's a parent who stays home from the kids, that parent should be female, that parent should be a mother. Fathers are doing three times the amount of, of child care that they were doing in the 60s. And they see fatherhood and parenthood as a core part of their identity. But society doesn't see it that way. And fathers feel that. And all parents feel that. And so it creates a lot of tension. And when girls enter young adulthood, and there's this natural chasm between girls and their fathers due to the physical changes of adolescence that girls experience. And, you know, they start doing side hugs and dads are uncomfortable and they don't really know what to do with their girls or how to give them space. side hug, it's so true. Yes. So that's so interesting to me. And that is really one of the main messages that I hope came across in my research in this book for fathers, but really all parents. So many people are reading it already and saying, why is this just for dads? Why aren't all parents reading it? 
absolutely mm-hmm. all parents can read it. Because dads don't get a lot of play. So it's nice for dads to get a little bit of play. And moms will read anything. Right. So absolutely, dads need a guidebook. And as a female, I have two sons, of course, as it turns out. But female parents have a lot of insight in what it, into what it means to be an adolescent girl and why she might change her outfit four times or why her haircut means so much to her. There are singular things about the adolescent female experience that fathers need a little bit more help understanding. Okay, so let's dive into that. What are some of the key things that fathers would really benefit from knowing about having a daughter? There's a book full of insights. I won't read you the whole book right now. I think what's so important to know is that girls have a reputation and it starts from the time that people find out that they're having girls, that one day they're going to grow up and they're not going to be daddy's little girl anymore. And they're going to be emotional and they're going to be complicated and they're going to be moody. And that's a lot to live up to, first of all. So we want to avoid putting that on girls. That's really important to know. But also that's one of the things that creates tension from birth between fathers and daughters is almost this loss of time or the shortness of time before it's just, you know, curtains for dads and girls become sort of a woman's work because what could fathers possibly know? What we know from the science is that present, engaged, authoritative fathers can have broad positive influences on girls' physical development, their emotional development, and their long-term achievement. And so often, fathers, as I've mentioned, they just don't realize how much they're already doing right. And they're not often being served up the resources, as we said, you know, fathers don't get a lot of play in the parenting world, generally speaking, to show them kind of the way and to explain what is happening with their girls. A few specific insights I think it's really important that fathers should have are that girls are under a ton of pressure. And when we think of them as being these emotional beings or really complicated, they're not choosing to be that way. The the adolescent female experience and the girlhood experience is extremely complicated and complex. I do think that not only is the experience complex, but it's intimidating for dads. It can be really intimidating. To It's equally intimidating for plenty of mothers to raise sons if they don't have a lot of experience with boys or those who identify as boys. So this is about, but this is a very clear, there is a clear moment when dads have daughters going through changes in particular that can be intimidating because you just don't know what you don't know. Right. And you don't want to mess it up. Right. So there's this whole idea that, adolescent girls are scary and that you really need to tread lightly and that if you you should do everything especially now i think that's really important to realize is fathers are doing three times the work they're also expected to do a lot more child rearing than they were in the 60s and a big part of the problem is that where mothers have always been in the business of mothering and parenting Fathers are now expected to do a lot of this parenting and be really engaged, especially with their daughters, and kind of know what to do, but they haven't had the guidance or the research or the insight in order to be able to kind of meet the expectations that broader society has of them and that is ingrained kind of in the in new family structures. Right. And they're they're kind of first generation of this kind of 
fatherhood. So it's not like you can look to your, typically there are certainly exceptions, but it's not as if you can look to your father or other father figures in your life in the same way that, as you said, the mothers have been in the business of motherhood for much longer. Right. And yes, of course, certainly there were dads ahead of their time and there were dads of previous generations who were kind of sticking the landing on parenting girls. But that wisdom hasn't been broadly passed down and it was somewhat rare. So yes, I think that the fear that fathers feel around female adolescence and this change that girls go through is really one of the main obstacles to father-daughter connections because there's this, okay, well, you have to show up and you have to be the perfect dad for her and also don't mess it up and also balance all of your professional responsibilities or responsibilities outside of your parenting responsibilities and be the perfect dad. That is another challenge for men because for decades, women have been managing what's called the second shift where they're working many times and then also handling all of family life. Well, there's this expectation that men are going to do that. And a lot of them are really struggling with it at similar rates that women report struggling with it. And you're so compassionate to acknowledge that because I definitely am, you know, I think it's hard sometimes for the mere fact that those of us who've always experienced it are like, come on. Right. We can do this. Right. We've been doing this, but that's not, it, it probably doesn't it feel great. And the other thing that that just brought to mind is the idea, the pressure for fathers to imagine that however they behave toward their daughters is the experience their daughters are going to seek out when they're looking for their romantic relationships if they choose to be in a heteronormative relationship. And that's a lot of pressure too. It is. That might have sounded creepy. No. What I mean to say is that, you know, we know that the, the what feels like home in our relationships, whether it's with our parents or anybody else, what feels like home in those early years lays the foundation for what feels like home later. And so if dad, how, how dad treats adult romantic relationships and also how dad views women and how dad treats daughter is going to have an impact. I completely agree with you. I do not think what you said sounds creepy at all. In fact, I think that you are highlighting <laughs> the number one theme of fathers and daughters traditionally, which has been this idea of be a good man so that your your daughter will marry a good man, period. That's your role. We know that's very reductive. It's not relevant to every father and daughter. It's not relevant to every girl because a lot of girls will not grow up and desire a heteronormative partnership. But it still dominates a lot of the ideals around father-daughter relationships. One of the things that I found most interesting, one of the findings and the themes, one of the themes of the research that I found to be so interesting is that fathers do feel this pressure to be perfect when it comes to raising girls. And they do worry about if they have flaws and if their daughters see those flaws, how will that affect them? And that is tied to this age-old myth around fathers needing to be perfect so that their girls can grow up and have a perfect life with a perfect man. And fathers don't have to be perfect, just like mothers don't have to be perfect. Parents 
don't have to be perfect. I think I would go further if parents should not be perfect because then their children think that they have to be perfect, which nobody can be. Right. So it's really just not good for anyone. I will say that I've listened to your pod, many of your podcast episodes, but I always listen to an episode or two right before I go on a podcast just to kind of get on the right frequency and kind of get in the zone. And by some stroke of luck, I landed on your episode with Tina Payne Bryson. What's the deal with gentle parenting? I really loved having that conversation. I, it came through. I loved every single minute of that particular episode. Not that I haven't much enjoyed other episodes, but that one was Mm -hmm. really major for me. And I, you talked, both of you talked a lot about that, about how imperfection is completely normal and totally acceptable. And I loved when Tina said something like, I forget what the example was. Oh, it was about about specific feedback and that you can't lay in bed at night and worry that you didn't say the perfect thing and you didn't give the perfect specific feedback to your child. Instead, you just said, good job. But the idea is not that you have to do it all the time. The idea is more like, hey, try it. Try it sometimes. See how it works. So I think perfection really stifles a lot of communication. It stifles efforts towards connection. And one of the main messages of talk with her is that men don't have to be perfect and that the pressure that they feel is really real. And now a word from my sponsors. Parallel is the first and only OBGYN founded prenatal vitamin offering targeted nutrition for each unique stage of motherhood. They have vitamin packs for anyone trying to conceive each individual trimester of pregnancy because both baby and mom need different nutrients throughout each stage, as well as a product for postpartum and early motherhood. Each product is meticulously formulated by their founding team of world-class doctors, including OBGYNs, widely published maternal fetal medicine doctors, and award-winning fertility doctors. But today, I want to tell you about their Mom Multi-Support Pack, which is an incredible product that I would have loved to have had during my postpartum and early stages of motherhood. Parallels Mom Multi-Bundles together two prenatal vitamins offering full-spectrum nutrition and immunity support, a high-quality omega with DHA and EPA, along with a stress support blend because... Parenting is a high stress job and a beauty blend to support your hair, skin, and nails because it's still nice to feel beautiful. It can be taken through the postpartum phase. It's safe for breastfeeding and up to five years after birth, offering moms the extra nutritional support they need to rebuild their nutrient stores and support them in the stress and beauty department, which is important during such a physically demanding stage in life. Each parallel pack comes with a 30-day supply of vitamins, all conveniently bundled together into a recyclable daily packet. So you could take it on the go anywhere, anytime. Exclusively for Raising Good Humans listeners, Parallel is offering 15% off your first three months of Parallel with code HUMANS15. Head to parallel.co, P-E-R-E-L-E-L.co. And if you don't love it, you can cancel any time with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you know how I feel about sleep. Sleep is just the most important thing to focus on. And once you have that down, then you can think about all the other stuff. And poor sleep in adults can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity. And 
Having a consistent nighttime routine is important, not just for kids, but for adults. So introducing Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today my listeners get a special discount available for Beam Sleep Products, Dream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. You know, I love something that helps me have a quick but easy and calming night drink. And 98% of the people surveyed fall asleep faster when they take Dream Beam. 99% of the people experience better sleep quality. And all you have to do is just mix the Dream Beam into hot water or milk, stir, and enjoy before bedtime. For a limited time, get up to 35% off when you go to shopbeam.com slash humans and use the code humans at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash humans and use the code humans for up to 35% off. The inspiration for this book was a big surprise to me. I had spent years working in the field of adolescent health with teenagers, very specifically with girls, though I have taught all genders. And I was launching a girls' health platform and I was talking to a lot of investors, but I was also working with a lot of school heads and teachers and administrators who were men and just starting to really connect more with fathers in my community. And they started asking me personal questions in terms of how they could be better fathers to their daughters. It was a real surprise to me because these were in the context of business meetings or if I was was creating content Mm -hmm. for different media platforms and I was working with schools on their curricular development and I was meeting with investors, talking to them about launching girl-focused products. And then these meetings would sort of land in a place where we were having very personal conversations. And the first question that I ever got was from an angel investor sitting outside of a coffee shop in LA. And he said, I have just one more question for you. I just got divorced. Can I start dating again? Or is that going to hurt my daughter? And of course, you can start dating again. There are things that you want to think about and perhaps missteps and Taking you need to take into account the, your family's context and who your daughter is and what your circumstances are. But so many of the questions that I got from men had to do with their own imperfections and if that was going to be really damaging to their daughter. Did you find that dads wanted to understand or communicate kind of ideas about relationships and behaviors that they judged about girls? I don't know if that made sense. (laughs) Like I'm thinking about dads who felt like I never liked it when girls spent so much time getting ready. So I'm going to promote, you know, a speedier getting ready or not focusing on your looks or carrying your own bag or any of those kinds of things. What is it personalized in that way? It was more what I was pointing to in drawing attention to that particular theme was for instance, men who had gone to jail or men who had addiction problems, they were worried that those imperfections would influence their daughters in negative ways, that those flaws that they had kind of doomed their kids in a way. When it comes to kind of the lessons that fathers want to teach their daughters, I heard just some incredible father-daughter bonding 
ideas when I was interviewing for my book. What are some of the top father-daughter bonding suggestions that you have for what perfect timing for Father's Day? Yes. So a couple of just the great, two ideas really stuck out to me. Both are included in the book. And one of them was a father who told me that he would go jogging with his daughter and they had a no headphones rule. And so they would jog together, but they would not be on headphones. And they weren't necessarily talking the whole time, but it would open up the channel so they could talk. Another that father. It's very hard to do because without music, <laughs> it's very challenging, but it's a great idea. <laughs> I know. I, I certainly prefer music during my workouts, especially when I'm feeling out of breath. <laughs> but it's those types of things, just kind of these very personal ways of connecting. Another father had a journal activity with his daughter and they would journal once a week together next to each other. And for them, it was about Bible verses. It could be anything, but he got his own journal. Journaling is so central to the experience and the interests of so many young girls. It's so much part of young women's culture. And he got his own journal and would journal alongside his daughter. I thought that was really beautiful. I love that. I would say that I laughed when I talk about talk with her, I've been in the field for nearly two decades. I have a master's degree. I have a lot of experience. I've talked to all of the experts. I'm an expert. I've reviewed all the research. And then I pull a lot of pages right from my own dad's playbook. Because when I started going through the research, I found actually that my father, who was a bit older when he had me, was actually a bit ahead of his time. Maybe that's why I became really interested in this topic. But research is me search. Yes, totally. Right. And <laughs> absolutely. But one of the tips that I include, and I include 30 tips for communication and building bonds in the book, is not to wait for the weekends. We live such an, a high octane existence right now. Life is stressful. Everybody is running hurdles a lot of the time. And we're programmed in many ways to live for the weekend. So let's grind it out Monday through Friday, and then we can all just collapse. Our family time is Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, and then we can all get back to it during the week. My dad, and I'll give both of my credit, my parents credit for this. My dad used to make time for me on the weeknights in ways that were incredibly memorable, and he was consistent with it over time. It wasn't all the time, but Two things that he did, I absolutely loved. One, he would take me to dinner late at night at one of his favorite late night restaurants after my play rehearsals in high school and volleyball practice, volleyball practice in middle school. And he would pick me up and my practices would end at eight, nine o'clock at night. And he'd pick me up and take me to a diner for a late dinner together during the school week. That was so special and so memorable. And he started it early. But the other thing he did that I absolutely loved was he would talk to me on the weekend and he would say, okay, we have Laker tickets for this night of the week. I grew up in LA. My dad's had tickets for 40 years. And say, we have Laker tickets this night of the week. So make sure you get your homework done and we're going to the game. And it was all about connection and fun and breaking up the week and time management he said, you know, look, you, you got to prioritize this. So figure out how to get your homework done during the week. He sounds fantastic. Yeah. He's and, and also it, it, it is, it's so true. It's like, 
prioritizing your time, bolstering your executive function skills because you have to figure out how to manage your time throughout the week to get to that holy grail of the game. And also it's kind of, it's like breaking rules, but within structure and being fun. Yes. And he trusted me and he knew who I was and he expected me to rise to the occasion, which is another thing that I think is really important that I highlight in the book is so often, as I mentioned, it's a lot for teenagers. It's a lot for all kids to live up to. And kids at very young ages know if adults are looking at them as if they're just a huge handful and kind of a pain. Kids pick up on that no matter what age they are. And I think that talking to your kids and helping them rise to the occasion and including them in adult experiences, that can go a very long way. And it's really memorable. It builds the narrative over time and it helps build relationships over time and strengthen bonds. So to a dad who's kind of not used to communicating verbally, mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not to play into too many stereotypes, but let's mm-hmm. just say this particular dad is not used to that kind of conversation, but really wants to engage in conversation with his daughter. What are some suggestions? I know you have them to connect better about topics that aren't historically part of dad's skill set. Fathers should know that it's not going to be comfortable. It feels very counterintuitive to go against what feels good to them. Of course it does. And people have said that to me, had another interviewer ask me, you know, what if dads don't want to talk? And your book is talk with her. What if they don't want to talk? A lot of people do feel uncomfortable talking, but we know from the science that it's really important to have conversations. And so it's one of those feel the fear and do it anyway type of scenarios. Do you have any good phrases to engage in conversations when you're kind of uncomfortable yourself or to get your daughter to open up? Certainly. So I'll answer that in two parts. And I'll, I'll include some additional suggestions as well, which, again, we want to make sure people know this isn't going to be comfortable, right? You have to jump in and do it anyway. Gather some information ahead of time if you're going to have a specific conversation where if you're going to talk about drugs and alcohol or you've heard, I, I work a lot with teenagers, if you've heard about kind of the fentanyl crisis that's happening right now, what are some facts that you can be prepared with to kind of speak with your daughter about. And when it comes to opening up conversation, the chapter about this in my book is called The Talk is Dead. And it's because you don't have to have a big talk about everything to be effective. In fact, small moments of communication and interaction over time, along with a lot of repetition, has been shown to be most effective in getting important messages across the finish line that create positive behavior change in young people. And so when it comes right, to- Right, that's open- right. There's no one and done. No, no one and done. So you asked about phrases to use when opening up conversation. There's a few different ways to open up conversations. One is to capitalize on a teachable moment. People are watching a lot of TV these days watch TV with girls, watch movies with them. This is a great bonding activity for fathers and daughters. And one that I heard was often taking place among 
people that I interviewed. And if you see a scene that includes, for instance, a romantic interaction, it doesn't necessarily have to be a sexual interaction. Those are super awkward for everybody to watch with their parents. But you know, if there's people on, <laughs> you know, if people are on a date or there are kids at a party and they're drinking, ask some questions. Say, hey, have you seen anything like that with your friends? Or do you hear that people in your social circle are doing that? If you found yourself in a situation like that, what would you do? And you can start by asking questions and then also say, also make comments like, you know, if you ever want to talk about any of that with me, I would be completely open and willing to do that. I always want to be your first call. I always want you to talk to me. If there's ever anything that I can do or help you find information about, your safety is very important to me. Safety is a really important topic when it comes to talking with kids, no matter what. They can't, they can't argue with you if you're talking about safety, really, because they can't poke holes in that argument. You know, because I said so, which is more authoritarian parenting, you know, that's not going to get across them. But your safety really matters to me. I love you. And that's a really, you know, those types of statements are really, really powerful. And now another break so I can tell you about my sponsors. Summer's here and Camp Galileo is the place where your child's imagination can come to life. Once they enter the fun machine, campers start building a lifetime of memories with friends old and new. Galileo's staff are committed to making this the best summer yet, and kids deserve a really good summer right now. The staff is made up of educators, artists, and engineers to help campers build creative confidence through their STEAM-based curriculum. At Camp Galileo, kids enjoy limitless creativity, innovation, and fun. So go to G-A-L-I-L-E-O dash C-A-M-P-S dot com. That's Galileo dash camps dot com and use the code FUNSUMMER2022 to get $100 off camp. They have camps that work on creative projects like engineering your own roller coaster at an amusement park adventure camp making a stained glass masterpiece at the Castle Quest Camp, or building a 3D dinosaur out of paper mache during Dino Dig Camp. G-A-L-I-L-E-O dash C-A-M-P-S dot com. That's Galileo dash camps dot com. Pick something that your child is interested in and have fun. It's summertime and we are in this happy place, warm weather, good times, It's not so fun to focus on grocery shopping and cooking. I mean, is it ever? But Splendid Spoon makes it super easy to get delicious plant-based, ready-to-eat meals and snacks right at your door. And actually, it's so nice when you just feel like you want something with lots of greens, you know you're getting all your nutrients, and voila, it's right there. You open your fridge and it happens. And while I'm not a vegetarian... I do primarily eat plant-based foods on your microwave. Splendid spoon meals are shipped right to your door and ready to eat. You may just have to heat some up. They fit into any schedule and there's a meal plan for everyone. And every meal plan is customizable. So you get what you want every time. And with 100% plant-based, gluten-free and GMO-free, you always feel pretty great. Enjoy a fresh take on classic dishes like their favorite vegan meatballs and marinara noodles, or take your taste buds on a journey with exciting dishes like cauliflower tikka soup. 
It really does make eating plant-based delicious. Eat well and enjoy more of your summer with Splendid Spoon. Get started today and save an entire week of ready-made plant-based meals. Just go to splendidspoon.com slash humans for $50 off your first box when you subscribe. That's $50 off at splendidspoon.com slash humans. What are some challenges and what are some solutions for dads who really want to cultivate confidence in their daughters, but are utterly terrified to comment on their physical appearance, their body image at all, the way they eat anything, or on the flip side, dads who comment on other people or their daughters, how can they tweak their language so that they can lay the groundwork for a different kind of conversation? This is a truly very tricky topic. I remember I talked to, this This came up a lot in my interviews, men who wanted to build confidence in their daughters and wanted their daughters to have strong body image and feel really good about themselves but didn't know quite what to say, had maybe said certain things that didn't land well. I had one father, he said, she complains about her weight all the time, all the time. But then she's always hanging out with her friends all the time and they're eating pizzas and eating ice cream late at night. And I just don't see them taking care of themselves. What can I say? talked to some experts about this, thought about my own experience and what I would recommend. And the recommendation there from the research I did was don't say anything there. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> don't What should say I say? Nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. That is not your, not your lane. And it's so <laughs> delicate. And you might, fathers tend to feel often, like they just want to fix it. And you might see that there's a very clear solution to what you think would lead to your daughter's body confidence. You can't always say what you're thinking. Most of the time, in fact, you shouldn't say what you're thinking. If you think Mm -hmm. that your daughter has some unhealthy habits that could use some coaching, talk to her doctor and get some suggestions through that channel. It might be that during your daughter's annual exam, she talks to her doctor about healthy lifestyle. When it's in that context, it's more clinical, it's more scientific, it's more fact-based, there's less emotion. Your relationship is not at play there. Your daughter isn't getting the idea that you are judging her or micromanaging her. That can come across as controlling behavior, which is just going to backfire. So when it comes to boosting your daughter's body confidence, certainly don't comment on her body or anything that she would ever need to change in your eyes, even if you're thinking it. I think it's very natural to have thoughts, to look at your kids and think, maybe they could do this better, especially as kids get older. And we're all, I think that's a very natural thought process. But you really want to stick to the facts And if you're really concerned about your daughter's health and well-being, definitely approach it with her doctor and then see if you can make a plan that way and have the doctor talk about it or talk about it with a doctor. But the other counterintuitive part of that is that if you think your daughter's body is magnificent, Mm -hmm. don't say anything. Right. 
Right. Because it's still a judgment. Absolutely. And we just want, girls are so, I guess the best phrase, girls are so hip to what parents are thinking. (laughs) (laughs) They, They see right through everything. They're so smart. I mean, all kids are smart. They just see right through us. And certainly you can call your daughter beautiful. You can say that she looks beautiful. That happens. You just don't want to focus that on that or continue. Right. It's, it's actually like, it's a little bit along the lines of what you were saying about Tina's comment. It's like, of course you're going to do that sometimes. That's okay. It's just an awareness that you want to remove that as the primary focus. And then maybe you won't say it as much. Absolutely. And maybe counter it with something. My own dad used to do this all the time. He was big on this. And I will say in a study of one, I have pretty high body confidence. (laughs) I grew up in LA. Looks were a major theme. Body image was a major area of concern for all of us, all of us girls growing up there. It was just in the shadow of Hollywood we were really feeling the influence of media and the pressure that girls face to look a certain way. We were living it. Again, that was before, that was before social media. So I can only imagine. Yes, absolutely. It was before social media. And I, I had, I've always had a very open communication with my dad and he would take me shopping sometimes and he would see me leave for dances. And I would say things like, dad, do I look pretty or do you think this looks okay? He's always been really honest with me. He's had really open communication. And in the times where I would ask him to comment, where I would invite something, he would say, yes, that's very pretty. But you know what, honey, you're far more beautiful on the inside. And it was so sweet, right? Also maybe a little bit corny. He would just say it and he would just say, whenever he would comment on anything about my physical appearance, he would always say, but you're far more beautiful on the inside. And he would emphasize it. And that is what is important to emphasize is these intrinsic qualities. We want girls to be intrinsically motivated. We don't want them to be motivated by what people think and want from them. We want them to be self-motivated. And I think, again, of course, you're going to call your daughter beautiful. And that's, of course, I mean, fathers, to so many fathers and most fathers, I would argue, there's nothing more beautiful than their little girl at, at any age. And it's okay to say that, but certainly we want to focus on girls' intrinsic qualities because that lays the foundation for a lifetime of focus on what feels good instead of what looks good. Mm-hmm. So what some of the things I think are just paramount for fathers of daughters to understand include that even though it feels counterintuitive, much of the parenting of girls that can seem like only a mother's work is also the work of fathers. There is room for fathers to participate in the raising of girls, no matter the topic. And fathers should not sit on the sidelines even if you feel like you don't know what to say, even if you don't feel like you're the perfect man or the perfect parent, or you don't feel prepared, or you're worried that you're going to say the wrong thing, 
it's really important that girls of any age know that their fathers are there, that they're engaged, that they love them, and that they are communicating, especially when girls move into the adolescent years. They need their fathers to be there for them, fathers and father figures. It's so important for men to be part of the conversations with girls. Now, are they the only parents that should be important? No. Does every girl need a father figure to figure to thrive? No. Families take all different forms and there are all different types of people that come to the table for young people to guide them and to love them. But when it comes to fathers of daughters, fathers should not sit on the sidelines. I often talk with men, parents of all teenagers really, but men of daughters who just feel like they're not doing anything right. They can't say the right thing and everything they do is wrong. And I always say to fathers, if you feel like a loser when you're talking to your adolescent daughter, you're winning. You feel like a loser, but you're a real winner. And the reason is Adolescents are not going to give you a lot of positive feedback. Girls are not going to be there to give you a lot of, hey, dad, that was really great. I'm glad you went out on a limb and had that conversation with me, even though you felt awkward and you're not really great at talking about things and you don't know a lot about my experience, but great job. Dads are not going to get a lot of that. But what's really important is that girls know that fathers are willing to have conversations, that they're willing to jump in, that they want to spend time and that they want to bond. And that if there is a time when their daughter needs them, their daughter can come to them. I always say, and this is so important, it may not seem like she's listening to you, but she can hear you. And that's what matters the most. I love that. 